the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from... Get down to business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in with our Iowa City-based author, Byron Eddington, who is an author. Uh, he uses his 52 years, and I cannot believe that, but 52 years of flight experience helped guide the next generation through the trials of the aviation industry, which is something I've always been fascinated about. The book is called Post Flight, an old pilot's logbook. So, Byron Eddington, welcome to the program. Shalom. Thanks very much for having me. And I can't believe it either, by the way. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> well, you call yeah. yourself an old pilot. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah well, once, a, once, a, once a pilot, always a pilot, I guess. I yeah. like it. I like yeah. it. And uh, you, you, you have a fascinating background. Um, so, let's talk first about you. I know that you, uh, you trained to fly helicopters in the army, spent a year in Vietnam. Let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how your, your love for flying developed. Yeah. Okay. As I say in chapter one, my dream of flight in the book, in fact, I'll hold this up. I don't know if it'll show through or not. Yeah, maybe not. Anyway, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, my family and I lived across a fence from a TV station. And one day a helicopter came rattling in and landed in the backyard of this TV station, and a fellow named Van Johnson got out. Van Johnson was a movie star. He was in Brigadoon. He was in 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, all these. Well, anyway, but the star that day was that helicopter. I looked at that thing, and I looked at that pilot flying that machine, and I said, that's it. I want to be that guy. And uh, and I, I eventually got my chance to do that. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience. That, that is so cool. And yeah. uh, it launched uh, into a career, as we said, uh, 52 years of flight experience. Um, yeah. But you've been a commercial um, uh, pilot a- as well. And uh, it sounds like, uh, from everything that I've seen in your writings, it sounds like it's a, a career decision that you, you don't regret. So, no. you know, we're, we're living in an interesting time. Uh, we're having this conversation um, in the uh, middle of 2021, where uh, it's just, you know, it, it seems like we're, we're you know, <laughs> we're, we're just continuing this theme of this, this, the past uh, two years of yeah, just chaos, yeah. um, including the, uh, the airline industry certainly has yeah, seen a true. lot. Is, yeah. is 
commercial aviation, something that you think is still a good career path? I absolutely do. And, um, you know, before, Shalom, let me just interject here for 20 seconds before I go on. I think something else I note in the book a number of times is that aviation is a collaboration. It's a collaborative exercise. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention all the folks who have helped me. I've had lots of lots of colleagues, aviation colleagues help me. And the folks at Fig Factor Media made this product exactly what I had in mind. So I want to give a shout out to them. But uh, back to your question. Yes. Uh, commercial aviation. In fact, let me let me define that first. Uh, commercial aviation is just any flying you do that you get paid to do. It's that simple. And I flew helicopters for 45 years commercially all over the world. And it is it is a viable career, especially a viable career for young women, because here's here's a statistic that's that shocked me when I realized, and I should have known this a lot sooner. Um, worldwide, the number of women in commercial cockpits is six percent of the total pilot population. Only six percent are women. And so it's a very, very good option for women, young women, to go into the cockpit in a commercial aviation. It's a wonderful career, and they would never regret it. That's, that's, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about some of the, the, the highlights from, uh, from your career, some of the things that you just never imagined that you'd be able to do. And again, yeah. we're having this conversation uh, now. I think it's very important. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship, but also talk a lot about careers. And I, I've been fortunate over time to, uh, I'm currently serving in the army and I've been fortunate to talk to a lot of folks that, uh, that, that I think, uh, are struggling to figure out what they want to do. And, and now, I, honestly, I think that, that some of this, you know, when you watch the, the media, um, you, you, you sort of maybe take a turn away from, from aviation. And that's why I wanted to have you on and sort of talk about this as it, it's just an awesome career path, which you are still in, even as you may have retired from day to day, um, aviation, you're, you're still a leader in the industry through this book. And again, we'll make sure that people know where they can, uh, where they sure. can uh, where they can find it, but where uh, what are some of the highlights of, of your career? Yeah, well, um, I I'd have to say the the biggest part of my career and the most gratifying part of my career was I flew a helicopter for the University of Iowa Hospital here in Iowa City for twenty years, and it was the absolute best match between my skills. And people who needed those skills the most at their at the most dire part of their lives, and and just the interaction there was just a, it was an absolute perfect match. And I did it for twenty years, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but there are several different um, aspects of commercial aviation, both fixed and rotary wing. And there's such a variety of them that I mean, we'd have to have another whole podcast or another interview. To touch on all of them, and when I, as I say, I flew all over the world. I flew at the hospital. I flew my last career posting. I was flying tourists on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, and I flew news and traffic all over the United States. Um, I flew some jobs in Alaska. I put forest fires up in Alaska. There's just a real variety. If you want some variety, um, aviation is just it has every a lot of things to offer you. 
Absolutely. That's, that's, that's awesome. So tell us um, what's, what's included in the book. What's, uh, what can yeah. people expect when they, uh, when they purchase a copy? Yeah, well, I do, I do have, I list a number of my own personal stories. And the, the aim of the book is young people, aspiring young pilots. I want them to have the same career I had, not just in terms of the excitement and the variety of uh, options they have, but also in the safety and in uh, in their career, let's call it their career development, if you will. Um, I had a wonderful time in the cockpit. I would do it again. And that's one of the things that I aim at. The other thing I include in the book is a lots of resources, lots of flight school information, lots of scholarship information. There is scholarship money out there. Um, lots of uh, do's and don'ts. And I have lessons after each chapter on here are lessons that I wish I had known when I started flying 50 some years ago. And so it will benefit any, any young pilot who can read this and hopefully a lot of that will resonate with them and they'll have a wonderful career in the sky like I did. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with author Byron Eddington, who also has many other identities, a uh, chief yeah. warrant for um, retired in the United States Army. Um, and I know, uh, Byron, you uh, you give a plug over to uh, to your publishing house. But my understanding is that your wife, uh, Mariah, uh, was your uh, was your editor through not only this book, but also uh, my understanding is uh, three other books as well, where you talk about yeah. your time in Vietnam. You talk also a lot about aviation, and you're being very humble because you've won some awards for some of your other uh, for some of the other uh, writings that you've done. So um, I want to make sure our listeners know where they can uh, find all of your books. Uh, in particular, this book, Post Flight, an old pilot's logbook, written by Byron Eddington, um, obviously an army uh, army veteran and uh, commercial. Uh, aviation enthusiast for sure. Byron, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, well, a couple of different ways. Um, the books are all up and for sale on the Amazon uh, portal. And that's not just post-flight. That's all my books are there in uh, paperback, digital, and post-flight is my first effort, but I have a hardback uh, edition in that. But they're all available on Amazon, or they can go through my website, which is byronedgington.com. Uh, they're all available there. And also, I should mention, uh, if you, if your listeners go to my website, there is a workbook, a PDF I've put together as a guide that goes along with PostFlight, and that's a free download just for a little bit of extra value for them. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, definitely want to make sure uh, people get on your website, byronedgington.com, where people can pick up a, a copy of all of those books and uh, and. You can actually have a name and inscription um, put in right over there. So, Byron, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for your service. Thank mm -hmm. you for continuing your passion on this important uh, career path. And I look forward to uh, continuing our conversation in the future. You're listening to Get Down to Business, a show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Be sure to check out my website, shalomkline.com. Check out our sponsors, Tom Arabali from healthplanchicago.com, as well as Irina Freeman from chicagosignaturelimo.com. We're going to squeeze in a quick break. We'll be right back. More small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I've been excited for this conversation. I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Kim Silez, an American pathologist and co-founder of Banff Classification, the first standardized in international classification 
for renal biopsies. Really, really fascinating story, and he's continuing <laughs> to uh, innovate and make a difference. Um, but uh, Kim, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm I'm very happy to be here. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So no, a, a true pleasure, and I like to get to know the person behind the microphone first. So let's start with that, uh, Kim. So Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a physician. I just uh, celebrated my 75th birthday. Rather un- unusual way. We had a day-long Zoom uh, celebration, four two-hour segments, four hours apart, uh, including people from all over the well- world. <laughs> I'll be honest, you should have invited my wife and I to the party because I understand you share a birthday with her on uh, June 20th. So happy yeah. birthday to you. And you. Uh, maybe next year we'll plan, uh, hopefully we'll do something in person. How about that? We'll get off of Zoom. Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. But Ken, tell us a little bit about how you uh, got into, uh, into the world of uh, medicine and in particular uh, pathology and uh, your research. Yeah. So I guess... Um, one of, of, of the things that's happened to me over and over in life is the opening up of an opportunity by hearing other people say, oh, no, that's way too complicated <laughs> as, as a way of explaining why they would n- never try to do something. But if you take that same situation that other people say that about and simply try to muddle your way through, and if you're the only one doing it, there's no competition, right? And and so it's it's kind of a, a much easier way to accomplish things than to be conforming and, and uh, uh, leading a life that has numerous precedents of other people leading a similar life. So anyway, I've done many things like that. And starting the BAMP classification was the first of those, I guess. And uh, it, it, it's turned out pretty well. So that happened 30 years ago in 1991. Now, why is it called the BAMF classification? Why isn't it the Kim Solis classification? Well, I, I wanted it to be for everybody and to be equitable and, and equally available to everyone. And you say, well, what? What's the good of that? Well, one thing is, this is one of the few medical standards that has no competition. And because of the way it was set up, if it had been called the Solis classification, I think it it, it would have numerous competing platforms now and factions, you know, some liking this platform, some liking that. So it's unusual. One algorithm, if you will, one one plan for a structure in an area of medicine that everybody uh, agrees on worldwide. So that's that's what we have here in the BAMP classification. And so I've, I've been maintaining consensus, uh, generating consensus wor- worldwide for 30 years. You can only do that at the cutting edge of um, technology. And so in, in the beginning, that was fax machines and then, you know, the internet and, and so on. So for the past 10 years, I'm teaching a course on technology and the future of medicine. And now um, we have um, 
series of courses that will be available on academia.edu uh, uh, starting September 15th on the unlikely subject of how AI and blockchain can save humanity from itself and soon. <laughs> so what is, what's that about, saving uh, humanity from itself? Well, things like COVID-19, systemic racism, colonialism, male aggression, climate emergency, all, all these things are areas in which one can apply artificial intelligence and blockchain to actually solve things that uh, human beings probably can't solve on their own without wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And now, again, I'm chatting with uh, Dr. Kim Salez, who uh, just uh, at 75 years old, I uh, I saw in an article that uh, – that uh, basically says that life is just getting started for you. And I know that uh, well, you, you know, our, our listeners can't, uh, can't see you, but, uh, but you sound like an 18 year old um, sort of, uh, as I think you've said in the past, just busting out of you uh, every once in a while. Yeah. So you are, uh, you're writing a, uh, a memoir called yeah, uh, Serially, Serially Surreal. Surreal. Tell us That's about what it. Leonard Cohen uh, called me. Leonard Cohen is the iconic uh, poet, singer, songwriter. Um, he had a best-selling book of poetry. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. And uh, so he and I met over a three-weekend in 2005, and he thought I was the great master of the surreal and serially surreal. So the students working with me had the idea that this had something to do with my being neuroatypical, having a, an unusual personality in, in a positive way. So, so I did a personality test, um, NEO-PIR, in, in, in um, April of 2021, that showed I have sky-high openness to experience and almost zero neuroticism. So I don't spend time worrying about things that don't need to be worried about. And I see sort of no upper bound in how big you can think. And I really think that that's true, that there is no limit in how big you can think. Um, so I know that, that, that this is audio only, but the graphic behind me is like a megastructure um, around the earth. And you, you can also have one around the sun <laughs> and so on. So, I mean, those are bigger actions than I think most people ever think of, you know, when they think of, you know, what's the biggest thing you could be involved in. And if you think of the, the 8 billion people on the earth, um, there really are things you can do that could positively impact all of them. And, and I think, that's uh, not unrealistic to think about. So that's absolutely. Again, of... I'm chatting with Dr. Kim Salez, who uh, again at age 75 is uh, continuing his uh, his work uh, with a new memoir called Serially Surreal, um, which is uh, what he was called by the uh, the late great singer songwriter Leonard Cohn. Um, so, uh, Kim, I have to ask as we come to a conclusion in our conversation over here. 
what's your advice? What's your advice for for entrepreneurs that might be tuning in um, to get down to business? What are some of the things that have worked in your career, in your entrepreneurship, um, that you would uh, want others to uh, to consider and to put into practice? Well, if you think of um, high-level positions as sort of apprenticeship, right, that somebody else has done it before, they show you how and so on, that works fine for, like, blacksmiths learning to put shoes on horses. But for medicine and other high-level pursuits, that, that's, that's really not the way to think about life. I mean, actually, creativity and making things up as you go along to deal with brand new situations is is a very important skill. So I think one way to think about it is that you can really create your own path in life. It's really so old and tired to just follow the same path somebody else has followed. And when you do that, it's actually easier because there's no competition, no way to measure you against anyone else because you're the first one doing that. And so people who think it's incredibly hard don't realize how incredibly easy it really is to take a path in in life uh, different from what anyone has ever done before. Well, Kim, I want to make sure our listeners have the opportunity to get in touch with you and uh, find a copy of of Serially Surreal when it's available. Um, Real quick, how can people get a hold of you? So it's justmachines.com, J-U-S-T-M-A-C-H-I-N-E-S.com slash about. And then you can find lots and lots of stuff there. And uh, (laughs) Well, Dr. Kim Stiles, I appreciate you joining us. I cannot wait to see the book. Uh, Again, justmachines.com. Be sure to check it out. I encourage all of our listeners to do so. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll definitely stay in touch. Sounds good. Thank you very much. We're going to squeeze in a quick break. We'll be right back and get down to business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. So uh, we've been having some great conversations with some interesting people, uh, learning a lot about careers, learning a lot about entrepreneurship as always, and certainly I encourage everybody, get on my website, shalomkline.com, where you can download the past eight plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and be sure to get on your favorite podcast platform, click subscribe, rate, review, and share. It makes it easier for people to find, again, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, But uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is on the topic of employment. It's tough to find good health these days. According to a recent survey that I saw from a uh, bank, four out of five U.S. businesses are planning to increase their headcount but 90% of executives say it's increasingly challenging to track on the right talent to help their businesses grow. So one solution to that talent crunch could be for business owners to start thinking about veterans. At present, there are nearly 1 million unemployed military veterans across the United States. Many of you are aware that uh, I am a proud uh, officer in the Army Reserves. Many of my battle buddies are out there desperate for work. And from an employer's perspective, the unique qualities that veterans possess could make some ideal job candidates. The government has also made a point of introducing a variety of benefits and incentives for business owners willing to take a chance on out-of-work veterans. So let's talk about it. If you're in doubt, there's some 15 reasons that I'm going to run through of why your business could benefit from hiring military veterans. For starters, veterans are goal-oriented. Very few 
professions focus exclusively on goal completion, but one that does is the military. Uh, veterans are trained in engineered environments that target nothing but mission achievement. And military personnel are taught to exercise collaboration, cooperation, personal development in order to achieve their targets. And veterans are trained leaders, whether you're talking about a junior enlisted soldier or a senior officer. Um, if you want to foster that in-house talent and hire genuine leadership candidates, veterans are a natural fit. Experts said that the average Marine is recruited at age 19 and by age 20 is typically promoted to become a non-commissioned officer and placed in high-stress leadership roles. And veterans take responsibility seriously. From day one, military personnel are trained take their jobs extremely seriously. They have it drilled into them that stupid mistakes, bad decisions, or blatant oversights can get their comrades seriously hurt. Or worse, you can't unlearn that. So veterans will usually bring that enviable level of precision into the workplace. Veterans know how to make decisions. The military is strategically designed to create leaders. And in doing so, forcing all recruits to embrace that intuition. Veterans are trained to observe every single piece of information that they can fine before making a snap judgment. So they could typically be relied on to make the best choice available at any given time. And they speak their minds. Although they've been trained to obey orders, very few veterans are yes men because their leadership experience and intuition skills as employees, veterans don't shy away from flagging mistakes or asking their boss to think twice about making the right decision. And we work well independently. If you're after an employee who's going to be able to trust, if you're going to be able to trust managing crucial processes in your business, you really can't do better than a veteran. Studies have indicated that military personnel are more likely to take major initiative than their coworkers, which is probably why U.S. veterans are also 45% more likely to start their own businesses. And there's a good work ethic. Whether When you're in the military, slacking off isn't an option. Every task you've been asked to do must be done for a reason, and veterans have been trained to understand that. As a result, you can expect veterans to understand the meaning of hard work. And you, you want organization in your business? The military thrives on structure and organization. If, if it's their bread and butter and all personnel are trained from day one to embrace that organization. If your business is in need of a structure, veterans have the skills needed to steer you in the right direction. And, you know, nice perk is veterans receive employee, sorry, education assistance. Employees are always looking to learn new skills and enhance their personal development. Veterans have that leg up on their competition. Thanks to government-provided financial assistance, veterans are able to take advantage of accreditation opportunities and degree opportunities that can bolster your business's talent pool. And you want to talk about technology? Military personnel are trained to understand the ins and outs of complicated mechanisms and technological procedures. As a result, they're likely to track industrial trends and strive to keep your business up to date on those trends. And globalization? Definitely, uh, it's hard to find a small business that isn't touched by globalization of some kind, whether it's outsourcing manufacturing, shipping to customers abroad, or purchasing exotic commodities like coffee or cocoa. When you're trying to develop a strategy that factors this into uh, consideration, it's good to have a military mind on standby. And finally, finally, uh, last few pieces is uh, when you want to understand health and safety, veterans understand that. We have a lot of training in uh, workplace standards. And hiring a veteran saves you money. This is really important. There are SEI, Special Employer Incentives, that enable employers to hire a qualified veteran trainee at an apprenticeship wage. Employers are also reimbursed for up to half of each veteran's salary to cover certain supplies and equipment. And there are uh, certainly other benefits as well, including tax incentives. There's a returning hero's tax credit, the work opportunity tax credit. And finally, finally, if you're worried about team morale, hire a veteran. Military personnel are trained to be relentless in achieving those goals, and they can help your 
team show more initiative in order to overcome those monumental hurdles. So again, 15 reasons why hiring veterans makes sense for your business. Uh, consider it and get on my website, shalomkline.com. I would welcome the opportunity to talk to you. Um, feel free to send me an email through the website and I'd love to, love to discuss that with you and see Again, if you have questions, I'd be happy to answer them for you. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk in, with an expert on uh, fun in the workplace. That's going to be a great conversation, no doubt. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Again, we're going to squeeze in a quick break. But while we are on break, get on my website, shellamkline.com. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share on all of our podcasts. Again, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I am so excited to be joined by the author, co-author of a brand new book, Work Made Fun, Gets on Easy Ways to Boost Energy, Morale, and Results. So thrilled to be joined by Mario Tamayo. Welcome to the program, Mario. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So work and fun have historically been polar opposites of each other. But uh, when you actually look at uh, some of the data, um, the Fortune, many of the companies of, uh, uh, listed on the Fortune 100 best companies to work for reveals an undeniable fact that 81% of surveyed employees say the best companies are all fun places to work. So Mario, let's talk about you first, the person behind the microphone. How did you mm-hmm. get into uh, this research and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, I'll start with uh, a little bit about myself. I was a class clown when I was uh, in grade school, and um, I was voted uh, least likely to succeed. And so uh, I just wanted to prove people wrong. And I found over the years that um, I always tried to follow what I had fun doing. And I, I was a PE major. And then I got into uh, wellness in the in the corporate world. Uh, got into uh, management uh, development and leadership training. And uh, my my whole mantra is helping other people help themselves become the best that they can become. And uh, what I found over the years was that I was right when I was a kid. Is that we got to have fun in order to do our best. We really got to enjoy it. And uh, the research that we did is we we uh, my co-author dr bob nelson and i uh enlisted the services of about six different researchers who uh combed the internet uh, who combed the the libraries and we looked for uh all the best ways real world ways both low cost and no cost that companies around the world and organizations both profit and nonprofit. What they were doing to to help their employees uh, cut their stress levels, enjoy what they're doing, remind them why they even work for that organization in the first place, get re-in-touch with the vision and the mission, and have fun. And and in our book, we came up with over uh, 400 of these uh, simple ways uh, to have fun. Uh, we broke down. Oh, go ahead. I love it. I, I love it, Mario. It's um, it, it, that's awesome. And and this is applicable both to small companies, big companies, really anybody that wants to have that that pro- productive 
um, workplace and a fun place to work. Because let's face it, small companies want to become big and the way to attract employees and the way to make sure that your employees are being productive is, as you say in the book, to have fun. But let's face it, a lot of companies, their idea of fun and their idea of employee morale is they're going to dump a ping pong table. Is that enough, Mario? No, not at all. Um, you know, what it boils down to is we've got to find out what our people at work, what they really value, what is fun to them. And in order to do that, we've got to talk with them. We've got to survey that, uh, with them. And we've got to get people in the organization, uh, cross-section of people, to uh, be on committees. And, and by the way, people would kill to be on these type of committees uh, because for the first time in a long time or the first time ever, uh, these people are asked to uh, express a part of their spirit, a, a part of themselves that they haven't been able to do in the past. And one of, one of our principles that we have is, is that what's fun for some is not fun for others. And we have a fun principle that, that says, uh, make sure that whatever you do, you got to make it safe and fun for everyone. So we don't we, we we advocate not forcing people to do activities they feel are stupid or demeaning. Uh, we want to make sure that we are not uh, showing our unconscious bias by having activities that are, are going to turn off uh, a lot of our workforce. And we we talk about that in in the intro in the first section of the book there. And I'm we- glad you're mentioning that, Mario, um, because let's face it, uh, what's fun for you is might not be fun for somebody else. And obviously, we're talking about multiple generations in the workplace right now, <laughs> millennial, Gen Z, lots yes. of folks out there, and there's a lot of uh, differences out there. We're going to have to cut to a break in about a minute, but I am curious. I can tell you from personal experience, writing a book is a lot of hard work. So what kinds of things do you find fun, uh, Mario? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I'm kind of a nerd. So um, I, I, I'm also introverted, which, which surprises some people. I, I like uh, recycling old materials from attics, from thrift stores, from garages. And I, I love to turn them into awards uh, that are tailored to uh, different individuals. And, uh, you know, I, I, for example, I might, I might take a, a giant watch and, and break the, the, the glass on it and turn it into the Timex, remember the old Timex magazine, Person of the Year Award. And, and, um, and, I'll, and I'll put that on a, on, a, on a plaque. And it's fun for me because it just gets my creative juices going. And then it's fun for me to see the reaction of people who, uh, who I give it to. And so that's one Absolutely. thing. But I also surf. Um, um, I, I do woodwork. Uh, there's just I, I try and tinker around and, and try new things. But again, well, it sounds like you're definitely having fun. I'm chatting with the author of uh, a brand new book, Work Made Fun, Get Done. Easy ways to boost energy, morale and results. Mario Tamayo, uh, we're, we're going to uh, cut to a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about some of the some of the tactics, um, but also make sure our listeners know where they can purchase a copy of this fantastic book. Again, you're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. This you can download podcasts from the past eight plus years of shows. Again, we'll be right back. Back. We 
with the author of this awesome, awesome new book about having fun in the workplace. And yes, that is possible. I'm chatting with Mario Tamayo, um, who's been sharing uh, a little bit of uh, how he has fun and some of the tactics. But uh, Mario, in the process of writing the book, I know you spoke with a lot of folks, a lot of companies, a lot of employers. Tell us a little bit of uh, some of the uh, bits of data that you collected as you went along. Well, we, we talked from companies from as, as, as large and as well-known as, as the Googles of the world um, and Amazon, and all the way down to mom and pops, uh, and also uh, government agencies, um, state departments, and, and that kind of thing. And, and what we, we wanted to find out is what are you doing in your, on your teams, in your area, um, that's a lot of fun. We also asked, well, what do you do for yourself? What do you do individually? Um, and then we talked with some managers as well and, and um, you know, asked them, what are you doing for your teams? And then, of course, we, we talked with some of the CHROs, the, um, um, the HR directors, and uh, they were telling us what they were doing for the entire organization. Some of them are so serious about fun that they have VPs of fun in their organizations and not just at one site, but for large organizations, they might have it at several sites. And then you've got uh, uh, companies of, of 50 people or so that uh, might have two or three volunteer employees who spontaneously throughout the year will just plan something and uh, make it happen. They, they say, Hey, you know what? We could use something fun right now. And they'll go off and do it. We've got some companies that wear, um, a, a Nerf gun battle will break out at any time in hallways, uh, below desk, on top of desks. In fact, when when a new employee joins a company, they uh, are given a, a welcome kit, an onboarding kit, which includes a, a Nerf gun. They said, you're brand new here. You're going to need this. I love it. I love it. That <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. And I want that title of uh, chief, uh, chief of fun. Chief officer, which sounds awesome. But um, Mario, real practically, as we uh, conclude our conversation over here, which uh, certainly I encourage everybody to pick up a copy of the book, and we'll share that information in just a moment. What is that one tip that you want our listeners to put into practice this week in their, uh, in their offices uh, or wherever they, uh, their employees may be working? I think the first thing that anybody should do is they have to choose to have fun. So be playful, do something this week or next week, write it down, put it in your, your calendar of something you're going to do for yourself. Um, another thing that you can do is experiment. Try something new. Try something that you haven't done before, and it can be something small. Um, do that, and then then learn from it. See, see uh, what worked, what didn't work, and then refine it and reapply. The, la- the last thing is you got to be patient. Again, uh, some people, especially if you work in an environment that does not uh, do a lot of fun things, is uh, you get people who are just detractors. And what you want to do is make sure you try something, get other people who are like-minded, and then um, uh, do it, have fun, be patient with it. And again, try not to force anything on other people. Absolutely. Good advice from an expert on having fun. The book the, uh, is called Work Made Fun, Done, uh, get Easy Ways to Boost Energy, Morale, and Results, uh, published uh, just in May of this year. And uh, the author, Mario Tamayo, I appreciate you joining us. Mario, how can people get a hold of you and uh, pick up a copy of the book? 
I'll tell you, any fine bookseller, you can get it on online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get it at the airports at Hudson News. Um, just about any bookstore uh, is carrying it. You can get the audiobook through Audible. Um, uh, Dr. Bob Nelson, if you go to uh, drbobnelson.com, you can actually get the book through us, my co-author. Fantastic. And uh, he'll even give you a nice discount. Awesome. Well, Mario, I appreciate you joining us and sharing all that advice. That's a wrap for us here and Get Down to Business. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at uh, right here on AM560, The Answer at 6 p.m. Have a great week, Ed. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. 